Hello. All right, Larry. Whew, that was a project, right. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was my device or what, but it's, I don't know. Yeah, we got we got Jason to work with his phone, so we're thinking maybe I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, so what we'll do is we'll know. just do like the interview with you. And okay. uh it's not it's not live or anything, so uh, we'll just go what we normally do and, and uh yeah. so for, for people listening we're, we're trying to do a lot we were trying to do a live video and right. have have larry join the room here and we were going to put it up on facebook for you live where you can uh ask questions and stuff and have it pop up on the screen we can ask larry stuff but some technical difficulties and you know this is our first time ever doing it my first time so um you know how first times go Sometimes Bailed. we're doing it the old-fashioned so anyway, way. Thank, thanks, Larry, for being patient. Anyway, yeah, hey. yeah, we appreciate that's, it. That's all right. Next time, I'll uh, I'll bring my um, my laptop in or something. That way, well, I sort of know. It works. Yeah, we should have forewarned you, but it was a last-minute decision on our part, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> pay for effort. So anyway, um, Larry, let's let's kind of get into the the racing side of things here, and we're just gonna go with it and uh kind of like you know like we normally ask everybody is um you know kind of when you got into rc when you got started and we'll kind of flow through this and get into uh you know your the later stuff but what kind of got you going in rc yeah um well many years ago probably about 30 years ago um my uncle bought me a um to me a kit from Costco, our price club back then. Oh, wow. And it was a, uh, to me a frog with a stick controller, <laughs> a, to me a nickel metal battery, had battery back then, I guess. And a dial, a dial, a charger. Um, so I was probably like uh, 16 or so back then and okay. got that. And the rest is history. You know, so uh, like a, I don't know, probably a three hundred dollar kit back then, and now uh, it's morphed into two hobby shops. Were, were you bugging your dad for a, <laughs> a, an RC car? Or no, how- it was actually my uncle. Oh. Um, and um, so my my parents and my uncle ran a a small market in a uh, small town here in Arizona, and. Um, they worked together. We all lived together. So my cousins and, and my brothers and sisters and I all kind of lived together, um, you know, within stone throws distance of each other. And he bought it for me and for Christmas, I think it was. And, you know, the rest is history. We built that thing. I drove that thing pretty much till it was dead. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, like it was, wouldn't go anymore. Couldn't afford any of the cool hop up parts. Like remember Thorpe made the, the, universals and the ball death and stuff like that. They couldn't afford any oh, yeah. of that stuff. So just, so just drove it to those, uh, octagonal hex drives on a, to me, a frog, uh, Ooh. were round. So you had so, the full experience yeah. there, huh? Yeah. And, and from, from that, uh, since I couldn't get any parts from the little town I was at, um, um, ended up with a gold pen RC 10, uh, bushing version car with the big green wiper arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my first real, I guess, you know, race car that I didn't race. I just played up in the backyard. But, um, you know, but then went to school, 
um, worked at a hobby shop up here in Phoenix um, at a hobby town um, while I was going to school. Uh, ended up finishing my school down in Tucson. Um, raced a little bit down there. Um, you know, so I've been in and out of the hobby for many years. Um, then decided to buy a, a local, just a brick and mortar hobby shop with no track here in Tempe, um, probably about six, seven years ago now. Um, did that for a little bit, this little 2000 square foot, uh, shop, no, still a hobby action, but, uh, started there and then, what is it, four years ago now, uh, decided to build a racetrack and RC, I don't know, hobby shop with a bunch of parts and we're at where we're at. So that, um, what year was that first location started? Uh, the first location was started in 2003, um, uh, by Craig Nelson and his wife. And then I bought okay. that in, uh, what would it be, uh, 14, I guess, 13, 2013, mm -hmm. somewhere around there. Which, which place do you primarily visit? Did you uh, go to both or each day or what, where do you primarily go? Um, right now, since uh, the COVID stuff happened, uh, mm -hmm. most of my time is spent here at the racetrack. Um, I do try to get over to the Tempe shop once in a while. Uh, like I'll be, well, I actually won't be over there tomorrow. I'll be here tomorrow. Um, but I try to get over there at least once or twice a week, uh, checking with those guys and make sure everything's going well over there. Uh, Nick, my partner here at Chandler, uh, he goes between both stores, so he kind of keeps that one um, running and and up to par. And you know, I kind of keep this one going and making sure we got the product in here and the newest, latest, and greatest stuff in both shops. So, what um, you know, so you say that you spend more of your time at the, especially recently at the track side version, right? Mm -hmm. And what's the difference in product lines between the, the two stores there? <laughs> it, it is um, night and day. Like we like we were talking about it the other day here um, at this shop about the product. And, and I said, oh, we're the cool nerds because um, we do RC because I'm an RC guy. And I'll be an RC guy. But the other, the Tempe shop um, is more of a more of a hobby shop where we'll have models – um, like the big thing right now that is going killer for us is Gundam models. Um, so they're kind of like Japanese robots. I don't know if you guys have seen oh, yeah. things or not. Yeah, I've, I've seen them. But uh, yeah, they're, they're crazy. They have their own little cult following. We got guys coming up from all over the valley wow. to the, the tempting shop to, to pick up stuff. Um, and then, you know, we have our RC planes, multi-rotor stuff over there. And then our Entry level line, Traxxas line, all the basher stuff is is over at the Tempe shop. Um, with uh, the COVID stuff and us being kind of closed for essentially about a month and a half, over here at the Chandler shop, we kind of knocked down a wall and expanded the the hobby shop. So we're we're trying to get some of that stuff over here. So instead of the Chandler store being a pro shop, we're trying to make this into a little bit more of a uh, all around hobby shop with the same Gundam models and airplanes and you know crawler stuff and all the the cool the cool stuff people come looking for. 
So you're going to add, so that's, it's already added or you're going to add that to. Uh, it is uh, adding, getting added slowly. So um, we have models already that uh, we've kind of blown through that first uh, um, shipment because, like I said, those the Gundam guys are crazy about those models and they'll, yeah. they'll travel by just about anywhere to, to get the latest and greatest model. What? Um, but uh, we're expanding, expanding our crawler section here um, and um, our boats and airplanes. So... Next time you're in here, Jason, um, you'll see what we did. I, I say we have the longest uh, hobby shop now in the world. Um, from end to end now, the hobby shop's like 120 feet or something like that. Wow. So when you go into the new section, did you have to you put like an opening in then? Uh, no. So if you guys have ever been here to the track, we had that little uh, party room off to the side of the store. So we took that mm -hmm. wall down. So when we originally designed the store, um, there was a plan to you know, potentially expand the store. So we made that wall so we could take it down. Um, so that's what happened. So the party room is gone, and it now houses all of our Traxxas products and, and uh, airplanes and stuff. But uh, there's no separation or hole. So that wall, which was probably 26 foot high, um, is now no longer there. It's a little bit of work, a little bit of work in, in a month and a half. So, but uh, I think it's pretty cool. We got a bunch of shelves, a bunch of new shelves, and um, slowly getting product on the wall. You think it's gonna? Uh, it's gonna obviously it's gonna change your clientele coming into the shop and maybe mix it up a little bit more too, right? Yeah, I, I think you know, kind of, kind of like how. The, the area that we're in is not a, I wouldn't say we're like a normal um, racetrack hobby shop at our location. Um, so we get a lot of walking traffic, uh, you know, families walking and see what we're doing. So, you know, the thought process originally when we, when I built this thing, you know, however many years ago it was, four years ago, uh, was to have a, a full-blown hobby shop. So we had everything and just, you know, trying to get it up and running and having, um, um, the financial flexibility to do it just wasn't uh, kind of in the cards to begin with. Um, but, uh, you know, we're able to, to do some stuff and um, get some more product in the store. So, you know, at, at this point, yeah, it's, it's, I, I would say we're, we're on our way to becoming more of a, a hobby shop than a pro shop. Okay. I mean, that I would think that that would be an improvement too. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's pretty cool. And, you know, like, like when we have our big races or even when we have our number of club racing, we have tons of families just walk in to, to see what's going on. I have no idea what RC is or why there's an RC play fairs, you know, a big pile of dirt in the back. Um, you know, so they, they come in and, and see what we have and they'll stand around on the watch for a little bit and maybe do a little shopping. And hopefully this way they, they can buy, you know, their rockets, or if they want to buy a new RC car, or, or whatever, they will have it. And, you know, you don't have to go headfirst into a race car. And as far as uh, running the track itself, you know, obviously for people that haven't been there, it's definitely one of the nicest, if not the nicest, facility. I'm sure you've heard that a couple times, right? Uh, yeah, a couple of times. So it's, it's nice to hear. It's nice to hear when we have people 
coming from you know all over the world or have traveled all over the world, and, and they say that it's pretty pretty cool to hear that we have one of the nice facilities that they go to. Yeah, I mean it's a really it's a really new fresh building. You walk in, you know, you got the automatic double doors open. The shop is right there, like you were kind of describing earlier, and then you got to walk through the shop uh, to get into the track area, and it's all it's also a a pretty large size track. So, what dimensions are you working with on the racetrack in inside? It's got two poles in it, right? Two two poles uh it has four poles in it i had to look at okay. it it has four poles in it but the track dimension from wall to wall is a hundred by 75 okay um so yeah it's, it's it's not it's not small it's not big it's you know kind of kind of in between there on the length but i think we have a little bit of depth on some of the other tracks like I think OCRT yeah. is like 125 by 65 or something like that. So they're yeah. a little bit longer than us, but we're a little bit wider than they are. So square footage wise, I think we're probably about the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, when I, and then you, you custom built really obviously the whole thing out in there and you kind of have a, a, you know, the way the driver stands positioned, you got, you went with like a concrete ramp up on one side and then you know you have a it's not a super tall stand what is that about maybe five five feet tall six feet tall off the track yeah, yeah i think uh the stand uh, is about five foot um from where your feet are to kind of the racing surface or to where actually probably the concrete is um and that was kind of dictated a couple of things when we laid out the, the shop um, obviously we had to make it ada accessible so we had to build this, you know, enormously long ramp. Um, so to meet the, the rise and fall of that ramp, um, it kind of dictated of how tall that uh, driver's stand would be. And it just kind of worked right. out to being, you know, kind of the appropriate size. It probably could have been a little bit taller, but it's, it's pretty, you know, pretty good, I think, in my opinion, that, that it works out well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, I think one of the nice things about it is the depth The depth you got up there. You know, it gives plenty of room for everybody to walk around and a nice ramp coming down. And then, obviously, you got the stairs on the other side. So you got a nice flow around there. And, you know, definitely one yeah, of the better yeah. ones. Yeah, I think uh, when we laid it out, uh, it just kind of worked out that way where, you know, when when I was talking with uh, my architect, architect, which was my brother, um, you know, we kind of thought of things that, you know, traveling to, to different tracks and seeing what certain tracks did well and certain tracks didn't do. Um, you know, I kind of had those, all those things in my head. I wanted to have a pretty wide driver stand and, a, a, you know, something where if someone were to walk off of it, they're not, you know, running into the back of you or something like that, or, you know, just something comfortable and having it uh, having it pretty wide was just a plus because you know we had all that room um, and we had to build um, the walls already. So the, the the way the ramp worked and the the length and and width and how we use concrete, it just worked out the way. You know, it just ended up being kind of ideal situation where we're able to make it pretty big and pretty comfortable for people. Yeah, I think it's a great a great setup. 
I definitely I enjoy being there every single time. And uh, talk to us about how you laid out the the pit area uh, and how many spots you got and everything in there. Yeah. So um, one of the, the other things that you know going to some of the facilities that that we travel to, it, they get kind of pretty tight. So you know I'm I'm not the the fleetest of foot. Uh, so when you're trying to squeeze through, you know, like a little two foot section and the chairs are kind of back to back, it gets a little bit tough or you're dragging your stuff out after you finish, you know, for me, it finished the H main or whatever. And I'm ready to go home. Uh, mm-hmm. I want a room in, in our facility to kind of, you didn't have to, you know, run into someone or ask someone to move all their stuff for you to get out. So our, our, our pit area is pretty wide. Um, like the, the spots between when you're back to back, it's pretty wide. You can sit comfortably and still be able to to get out if you're all the way in at the end and not have to to rub your belly against someone's back or, or anything like that um, yeah but um you know works out, i think there, our spots are four foot wide about probably i don't know two foot deep um and we have 153 of those spots um and everyone gets a, a outlet so it works out pretty well you know, during our big events, it's usually pretty full. Um, we haven't had any issues. I think our a couple of races where we had to have some overflow overflow um, tables out just because you know we have people have mechanics and family and that stuff. So, um, but it's worked out pretty well. And so, when when was that location open? When did we have that first Desert Classic? Ooh, you didn't put me on the spot. I think uh, this year was year four. I so think. what is it, 15, 16? No, that would be... Maybe... 17, 18? 17. 17. 17, that must be what it is, yeah. I can't all, Right now, it's all my days are all mixed up. Uh, I don't even know what day it is or what day of the month it is. <laughs> Same. But, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty cool. Like, kind of our, our first race... So when we when we built this thing, we had like a year to well, about six months or eight months to build it is what I kind of scheduled to to build. And um, you know, unfortunately, one of the local tracks here, um, which had one of the bigger races of the year, which was a Desert Classic, kind of you know closed up, and it was an opportunity for us to kind of. Um, use that date or use, you know, that time frame to, to open our facility. Um, the crazy thing about it is, you know, during construction, nothing ever goes as planned. Um, so we were set to open or trying to open in November, um, at the end of November, so we can get that Christmas rush. Uh, then we were at the end of December. Um, and then we're at the end of January and, you know, like my stress level, sweating bullets at night, what do we do? Cause we're going to host, you know, the first annual desert class, first annual desert classic, the first week in March or the second week of March or whatever it was. And we weren't open yet. Um, <laughs> so it was a little crazy. I think we opened our doors, uh, February, like 29th or something like that. And the race was like eight days later or nine days later. Okay. Uh, so yeah. We opened our doors, and then we had like a hundred and our three hundred entries. Um, you know, within ten days of its opening. So that was a little crazy. Uh, that first event that we had had ups and downs and craziness going about, but you know, 
we were able to to kind of pull it off and go from there. And I remember the race actually, I thought went really well that first one, you know, the, the, it was kind of a little bit of a scramble because we were trying to figure out, you know, we were like, all right, which tires are we going to run and what, you know, how are we going to do this and how are we going to do that? And, but it came together and it was a really fun race. Uh, And it definitely had a real highly competitive vibe at that, you know, at that first one, we, we, we had some international guys and, um, you know, it was a good race. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I just remember, you know, we had the dirt in here for probably uh, probably about a month and a half before we actually opened our doors, and we had guys in there running, you know, running on the track with just, I don't know, about every compound that, and tread pattern that anyone ever made, uh, just <laughs> trying to figure out what would work. <laughs> but, yeah, and then we get to the race, and then it's totally different, you know, once you get 300 racers running on the track, it just changes you know, from, from one hour to the next. So yeah, it, it was interesting. It, it, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It was a really fun event. And then, so, and then we kind of, we had a situation where our host track, uh, for one of our events, um, which was a main hobbies, their facility they decided to close their indoor track and use it for their warehouse so we we uh kind of worked it out we kind of moved our event uh you know where it was able to to be run there and um i think we've had you know uh, several of them so far uh you know what are your what are your thoughts about you know kind of adding that second race and then you know now we kind of have uh two uh two type of events that we can go to. Yeah, it was, it worked out, uh, you know, well for us, um, you know, Jason contacted me about hosting the summer race and, you know, I, I being brand new, of course, we're going to jump on board and, and, and try to host a host that race. So it was cool. Um, you know, Jason came to us and said, Hey, let's do this. And I'm like, sure, let's do it. We, we did one, we can do another. Um, but, uh, it's worked out. I think this is, I don't think this is the fourth year that we're going to do it if, uh, coming here up in July. Um, but it works out well. Uh, so we have our desert classic in March, um, the J concepts race in July. Last year we added the Kinwalk classic in October. Um, so that, that works out well. I think three races, three or four races uh, a year where we have people from all over the nation coming into our facility works out great. Um, gives them, you know, some time on the track and gives us some, some time to, to host the, the fastest guys here in the nation. You know, and then let's talk a little bit about the Kinwald classic. Obviously that was one of the, um, a race that you added, you know, with obviously we losing Brian last year and you guys were quick to jump on board and, and, uh, you know, it was kind of a, it was definitely a, what's, what's kind of interesting backing up is how each event has a little bit of a different feel or a little bit of a different buzz to it. And, you know, the desert classic kind of has one and then our event and then the Kidwald. Um, you know, what, what was the mindset going in with the Kinwald event and, you know, and, and how that went the first time out? 
Yeah, the the Kinwald race. Unfortunately, you know, we lost Brian last year, and and we were very happy and, and privileged to to honor him with a, a RC car race. Why, you know, what else would you do for Brian? Is that get him frappuccinos and have RC car racing and bowling? And we did kind of all three. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know the the race was fun. Um, you know, we wanted to keep it pretty pretty intimate and small, so we kept the countdown, the the entry countdown. Um, kept it to a Saturday Sunday race. Um, you know, had a vintage class for him and kind of all the classes that he ran when he was here. He, he ran modified buggy, short modified short course, and he always had cool vintage stuff that you know he hand built something. You know, and he would bring it in and show me. He goes, "Hey, Ray, look at what I built." And of course, you know, there'd be like ten thousand machining hours in the the shot collars. Um, right. You know, so it was it was cool to have, uh, cool to honor him. Um, you know, I, I think it was a fun event. We had bowling, so we had practice, open practice Friday uh, that weekend. Um, shut practice down fairly early, and then we went to a bowling alley and kind of hung out and bowled for a few hours. It was a, a pretty good group of guys that came out and bowled. Um, this year, I think uh, we'll have a trophy for the high score for the bowler. We didn't do that last year. You know, when we're bowling, it's like, man, we should have another trophy for for whoever wins at bowling. But we'll probably do that. Uh, we did a concourse uh, at that event, and then you know the classes, the the, the proper classes. We had two wheel drive buggy, mod, and thirteen five. I think we had a, a spec class, a vintage class, which was pretty good. I think we had twenty twenty vintage cars um, um, in that class, and it, it was fun. We had a bunch of guys uh, here that showed up with no car, and ended up building a car. I think Greg uh, built his car in the the pits as the race was going on and he got faster and faster as the weekend went. Um, but uh, it was cool. You know, there's anywhere from RC 10s to double X's. I think the double X won. I think Jerry had a double X and he won with that thing. I had a, a old RC 10 that I found that was all dusty and dirty and cleaned that thing up and ran that thing had a, a cliff lit peanut skin body on that thing. And, it was just cool to, to, to have that race and have all the vintage cars. So guys really dug it. Um, I will say that I only, I was probably the most vintage out of all of them in the AMA because I still ran a brushed motor and speed control where all those other guys were running uh, brushless stuff and micro batteries. So I, that's what I tell the guys when they want to run. I said, I had the most vintage car, even though I was last in the A, I had the most vintage car out there. Yeah. In terms of, uh, legality you're the most legal (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and this year those guys are all excited already the vintage market i don't know you've you've probably seen how crazy the vintage market is right now trying to find parts um Mm -hmm. but those guys are are you know scouring ebay craigslist offer up trying to find parts (laughs) and when they find stuff they'll send me a message hey look at what i found i was getting like you know two o'clock messages going hey i found b2 parts from you know some small city somewhere in the midwest <laughs> the parts will be here on friday so and you're like they're, so they're you're excited t- about doing it so. it is you know it's it's hunting for that treasure and then you get to build your car and it's a whole nother um, side to this that is emerging yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I have a B two rowing chassis. Well, actually, it's not even a row. I don't have wheels, um, but I have a B two that uh, that someone gave me 
that's pretty clean. I'll probably run that if I can find spare parts. The problem now is finding spare parts. So you're going to go with a B2? Um, it's here. Um, so I have my choice between my old the RC10 I ran last, last year. I got to fix some things on that so my dog bones don't pop out, keep on popping out. <laughs> and then I also have a B2, um, one of the, the non-team editions because it has fiberglass shock tires and stuff like that. I don't want. I can't get myself to spend like forty dollars on graphite shock tires. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I can't believe we were we were talking about this. The RC10 Classic that was just released recently. It, it, I saw on eBay a kit sealed. What what was it? Five hundred bucks? Oh, they're more than that. They're more yeah. than that sealed. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. That's yep. Um, yep. The world's car. The world's car is bringing about six plus hundred. The re-release world's car, and then <laughs> nine hundred to a thousand for a classic. Jeez. Yeah, the the cool thing last year at the the Kimwald race is we kind of did a fundraiser, so we had a silent auction going. Uh, Associated was nice enough to send a um, re-release world kit that we put up on auction, and I think that ended up going for like six hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars, something like that. Some mm-hmm. crazy amount. I bid um, on it. Yeah. So yeah, I bid on it too, and then got outbid real quick, and I'm like, I'm out on that one. Yeah. What was the but, item uh, that you yeah. won at the Kenwald race? Did that you were bidding against Spencer? Uh, yeah, we so the we board, did the pit a, board, a pit board. So we had all our participants sign the pit board, um, and Spencer wanted it. I told Spencer, "You're not taking this home." <laughs> and he looks at me like, "What do you mean you're not taking? I'm not taking this home." I said, "You are not taking this home." So then, yeah, he, we ended up, you know, bidding some crazy amount for that thing. But it was for a good cause. We raised we raised quite a lot of money for the Crohn's Colitis Foundation of Arizona. So um, it, it was funny when we contacted uh, them, the Arizona chapter, about uh, Brian and having this event. They're like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll send someone down to, to, you know, represent on Sunday. And then when we presented it them with the the check, you know, I think it was like, I think we had guaranteed them like two thousand dollars. We took like five dollars from from every entry, and then you know we just rounded up. And I think it, we said we'd have twenty five hundred dollars. I think we ended up with like seven thousand dollars or something like that wow. with with the raffles and all the other stuff that we did. So it was pretty cool. They were very surprised and and excited and um, the. The chapter's president already sent me an email saying, "Hey, we can't wait for this year. We'll we'll do more advertising with you guys uh, to for the event." So I thought that was pretty cool, um, and it was pretty cool for the Kinwall family uh, to let us do this event and do that event and and raise some money and have some fun. Yeah, I mean the seven thousand dollars. I mean when you guys handed that to her, I mean she was like blown away. I mean I she she didn't believe at all that do you guys are going to get to that kind of money? Yeah, it, it was, it was pretty funny. Cause it's kind of like the last minute, like probably a month from the event. I'm like, Hey, you know, it'd be kind of cool to do a silent auction. You know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'll call, I called Ryan up and said, Hey, you have a body that you want to donate to the silent auction. You can sign it and, and do whatever we're going to auction us off. He's like, sure. So we got Spencer to give one. Ryan gave one. Uh, Dakota sent a couple bodies. Um, so we had some some bodies from some of the pros that that um, they sent to us, and it was it was pretty cool. We had a good diversity of stuff. Um, we had 
um, one of our racers works for um, a uh, pit stop or a truck stop company, and he donated a fuzz buster. So we had like a fuzz buster. Um, so we kind of did a silent auction, and then we did a raffle, uh, a raffle, um, and like Zeke uh, called up and said, "Hey, I'm not at the event, but um, I'm willing to to buy a kit." And that's when the Kinwall, um, the TLR Kinwall kit, the Elite kit came out. And he's like, "You mm-hmm. have one in the shop?" I said, "Yep." <clears throat> and he goes, "Okay, I'll pay pay you some money. I'll buy it, and then <laughs> um, do whatever you want. You can raffle it off, or you can buy an auction." So it was. It, we had a, a pretty cool turnout for a bunch of guys that weren't even here that just called up and said, "Hey, you know, I'd like to do something for for Brian." Um, so that, that was very cool of, of a lot of guys around the country that that weren't here at the event that couldn't make it that called up and and you know donated items or donated money or did whatever. It was just it was very cool. And, you know, just kind of shows what Brian meant to our industry and the amount of people he he influenced and touched and you know it's just kind of cool yeah i i thought that it went really well from that standpoint a lot of brian's friends came out and i you know i tried to talk to a little bit of uh everybody and uh, we did some video there too and it was a lot of fun i mean and just talking to i mean uh, we did this thing the other day on instagram facebook and then i made a video or we made a video about it was the rc mentors uh stuff and kind of what it means to be a mentor in rc and and uh, obviously brian scored really high but um you know i don't know if there has been a better one over the years than brian as far as being a mentor because i feel like he had this way of if you were around him especially in his heyday he he definitely made people faster by really setting the example of being at the track and the races and people followed him and they they got better and and that doesn't happen with everybody you know there's some people that help some people that don't uh but people really drivers really followed him and they got better. Yeah. You know, even at our track, when he moved down here from uh, Tucson, um, you know, he started racing here and, you know, it was pretty easy for him to, to take people under his wing. It doesn't, didn't matter what you drove or who you were or, you know, he just kind of helped people. Um, you know, it was cool to see, it was cool to see that his influence and, you know, his innovation was just incredible. You know, he'd come in, he'd come in and I'd look at his car and um, I think I told him a couple of times, just don't start a fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'd look at his car and everything's hardwired in like lipo battery, solid copper wire from his battery to his ESC. And I'm like, that's cool. Don't start a fire. Yeah. <laughs> but, don't. But yeah. Don't. Things he did. So uh, as far as, you know, one of the events that we got under the, in, in the books this year was, and it might have even, it's the last race we ran, was the Desert Classic, I believe, right? Wow. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, what was that? That was March. Let me look at the calendar here. The Desert Classic was the 12th through the 15th. 
and yeah, I, that was uh, our essentially our second to the last race that we had here before we stopped racing. But I think that was the last big race that uh, the traveling crew went to, uh, which is kind of crazy. It's, you know, it's, I don't think he has probably been off for this long ever. It's it's kind of interesting. Um, did you uh, was there any kind of uh, I can't even remember. There was some talk about this kind of starting to go on uh, with the virus thing, and but it wasn't. It hadn't hit. Hadn't escalated quite to the point where we got about a month later. But um, was there any concern at the time, or I can't even rem- remember where we were at in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I just remember that you know, kind of preparing for the event. Um, you know, getting everything ready, getting the track ready. You know, once once I was comfortable with where the track was at and stuff like that, which is usually about a week before, you know, I started looking, just watching news and seeing what was happening in the world. I started looking for hand sanitizer and stuff like that to have at the track. Um, and I have a couple, I, people don't know, I, I used to work in government here in, in the state. And, you know, people were telling me, oh, yeah, we're trying to procure all the stuff because we potentially have this stuff coming down the pipeline. So I started looking for it just to have here at the track. Um, we ended up having like wipes and stuff like that, but um, it was super hard to find hand sanitizer already, you know, that was at the second week of March uh, in bulk, essentially, you know, enough to supply for 300 hands. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. Um, it, it was in my mind, I, you know, something that that we worried about um, is, you know, that's what I guess a track promoter or race promoter does is they worry about all the potential things that, that might happen, but might never happen. Um, and I remember when Justin, uh, well, not Justin, Dustin came in, he gave me the, the, the new high five, which was the elbow high five. And I said, all right, you know, that's cool. Um, but yeah, so it was, I think some guys kind of, we're, we're aware of what was happening around in the world. Some guys were like, okay, we're still here. We'll still race. Um, the event went off uh, uh, pretty well. And, you know, you know, I was uh, in Vegas the following week trying to watch some college basketball. And we got one day in and came home because everything got canceled. Um, and then that Saturday we tried to rate. Well, we raced that Saturday. And after that Saturday, we stopped racing until uh, – until next month, so we're going to start racing, doing our club racing in a limited, um, a limited amount on the third, which is that Wednesday. So, um, with kind of the social distancing and the CBC guidelines that we're, we're following here in Arizona, we have about forty-two spaces that we can use and still have social distancing, and you know, for everyone to feel safe and for me to feel comfortable letting people in. So we'll do that first club race. Uh, next Wednesday and see how it goes from there. Um, you know, it'd be interesting because, you know, we usually have on a Wednesday night, we'll usually have from 40 to 50 entries. And then on Saturdays, um, we're before the, before COVID happened, we were, you know, probably about 90 entries or so. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens and how willing people are going to be, or how comfortable they are going to be coming back out and, and essentially gathering, you know, in our building, you know, we're taking some precautions where we have, uh, we disinfect the, the facility every night, 
So the bathrooms get disinfected, the, all the pit area gets disinfected, um, driver stand, all that stuff gets dis- disinfected. We have masks if people want masks. We have hand sanitizer, cleaning supplies galore. Yeah, we spend a lot of money on cleaning supplies and disinfectant and application products uh, within the last month. And then, uh, you know, so we got through that event and. So I guess the question is, is um, we'll kind of get into the, you know, the summer indoor nationals a little bit. Um, you know, we and you had talked about some things and um, what are you seeing as kind of coming forward with, with that type of an event and uh, the way, way it's going to be run? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we can still race and still be safe. Um you know, our facility is fairly large. So, you know, as long as we social distance in the pit area and, and kind of our drivers um, and participants kind of, you know, abide by the social distancing measures that, that, that the CDC wants to follow, I think we can have a, a safe, comfortable race. Um, you know, like what I said with, with us, uh, social distancing in the pit area, that gives us like 42 spots um, where everyone's six foot apart and, uh, um, you know, you still have your pit area and you can still be comfortable. Um, so I kind of threw the idea out to Jason probably two weeks ago on what do you think of having the J concepts, uh, race just in a reduced fashion, um, you know, and still be comfortable with, with the event going on. Um, and I think we have a pretty, pretty good solution where, people could be safe and, and comfortable in our facility and we can still all social distance um, with our driver stand being the, the size it is, you know, we have seven spots up there, six foot apart, a true six foot apart. So we have um, these stickers made. Um, and I, if you've been to our facility, we have this Panda, this angry Panda all over the place. Um, so we made some stickers and it says Panda on the Panda. Uh, so, you know, six foot apart there's spots up on the driver's stand seven of them you stand on him and you'll be able to social distance you may not get the spot you want or be are comfortable with but you know i think that's gonna will we'll make these guys a little bit better driver and kind of have to cut, overcome some adversity uh driving from a spot they're not comfortable in oh. but you Uh-oh. know I, I think with the j concepts race um you know kind of a solution that we potentially have um, is doing two sessions of uh, 40, a group of 42, essentially. We have 42 drivers in in, in the morning, 42 drivers in, in the afternoon um, with a kind of a reduced event. So limiting the, the car types. Um, so buggy being the most popular class for us was kind of a no-brainer to say, okay, let's do the buggy classes, you know, two-wheel drive, uh, 17.5, and 13.5 four-wheel drive, and then the two modified classes, two-wheel and four-wheel. Um, kind of a popular class that we've been running since the G-Concepts uh, Indoor Summer Nationals kind of introduces a 21.5 spec class. That class for us has been pretty popular. So we, we threw that class in too. So um, I think the schedule right now on how we can get it done is that morning session would have 42 drivers. You would have uh, 17.5 and 13.5 run together. Um, so 42 spots, you'd have to, if you're going to run one class, you have to run both. So when you're signing up, 
you're signing up for a 13.5 four-wheel and 17.5 two-wheel, and you're running the morning session. And then the evening session, um, we'll have 21 spots for modified. You'll run two-wheel and four-wheel. And then uh, the 21.5 independent class will have 21 spots uh, for those guys. So wow. um, a little bit different. Um, we'll have heats of seven. Um, I think no bumps. Um, seven in the mains and then triple A's for all the classes and we can get in and out of here, you know, at a certain time, but the, the thing with running two sessions is how do we get, um, a certain timeline for that second session, you know, to show up. So if it's at three o'clock, two o'clock or whatever. Um, so we kind of ran some scenarios of how long we run the heats. Um, our race director, Richard Lake, who does all our big events, I and mean, then all our weekend events does a, a very good job of keeping kind of uh, a timeline and keeping a pretty tight ship of keeping to, you know, a certain time. So, you know, with that event, uh, I think we're going to probably send have the flyer out hopefully later, either this week or tomorrow or early next week, uh, kind of telling people what to do and what to expect. Um, but, um, you know, we'll go about it with that. And, you know, we're like everyone else, we're just kind of rolling with the with the punches here and and you know i think it'll work out and we'll have the ability to to get these guys in and out of here in a time that is you know somewhat certain and have that second group come in so we don't have guys on top of each other like we would normally have at one of our big events you know i i think it's going to be kind of neat and it's going to be kind of interesting to do it this way and and kind of see what happens and, and how things kind of unfold. I mean, uh, I don't anticipate us doing this type of thing forever, but um, it, it's definitely a little bit of a, it is some time to, to learn and experiment a little bit. Yeah. I, I think it gives us opportunity to do that. You know, the, the one of the things when I was throwing this idea out, I talked to Jason, obviously, and I talked to, to the, uh, BT over at Associated. I talked to Ryan here, and Ryan was all on board. He's like, "Sure, I don't have to show up till like two o'clock, and I'm going to be here till seven. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to be at the track all day." Yeah. He's like, "That's simple. We should do this for all your events." So you know, it might be something that that might sort of stick. I don't know. I, you know, when I was when I would go to big events, I hate being at the track from you know six in the morning to nine o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, uh, if we could break this up, I guess, uh, P and B does it, uh, uh, does something kind of similar where they break it up where the pro guys run at a certain time and the, the open guys run at a certain time. So they're, the guys aren't there all day, which I don't know. might, might work out. We'll see how it goes. I kind of like it. Yeah. You know, unfortunately I have to be at the track all day. So. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it, doesn't change for me so how <laughs> many how many people are you allowed how many are you, are you allowed in the building at one time then so the the crazy thing with the state of arizona here, i don't want to actually say that too loud but the the thing with arizona is um they removed the the number criteria and they just said the follow cbc guidelines okay. cbc guidelines really doesn't give you a number per square footage um they just said you know keep your six foot separations so for us are where you're going to congregate the most is in the pits, right? Yeah. So everyone just kind of hangs out in the pits. So to me, the the smartest and prudent idea there was, okay, 
let's lay out our pits so everyone's six foot apart and how many spots do we have? Um, with the way we laid it out, we have 42 spots. So that was my magic number. That's oh, how I, I came you. up with that number. Um, it works out because we have seven spots up on the driver's stand. You know, one of those crazy number things that happen. We have seven spots in the driver's stand. You have 42 drivers. It becomes a variable of six. So you have six heats. Boom, you're done. Wow. It made it easy. Yeah. So it just kind of worked out. I was doing the, I was, when I was doing the spreadsheet uh, time-wise, I'm like, oh, how many heats will we have? Six. Oh, perfect number. So it, it just worked out that uh, what we have on our driver's stand and how many pit spots we have uh, just worked out right. So maybe it was meant to be. Sounds it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds good to me. It does. Math all works. So, yeah. And hopefully, hopefully it works out. I'm sure that, uh, um, you know, guys are chomping at the bit to, to come race again. And our traveling guys are, are ready to race again. I've had a, few text messages from a few guys that said, Hey, are we doing the J concepts race? And I'm like, yep, hold your horses. Um, be ready to be on your keyboard at a certain date. So register and we'll do something. So I think, you know, with our, with what we have planned and our, our pit layout and our cleaning schedule, um, you know, I feel fairly safe to, to have, uh, I shouldn't say fairly safe. I feel safe that we'll have, um, a good environment that's where everyone can socially distance and um, still be safe from, you know, this craziness that the world's going through right now. You know, one of the things I was going to ask about is how you, how you've been handling uh, the business in the hobby store since, you know, with everything happening at the moment. And I know there's been curbside sales and, uh, just about anything you can think of uh, to, to service the customers and how have you been handling that side of things up in, you know, obviously you're probably letting people come in and, and into the stores now, but how was it going about a month ago, I guess? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit crazy um, starting off. So uh, the state of Arizona closed, um, had our shelter in place, our stay at home, stay safe and stay home uh, starting April, uh, first so we we shut both stores down um for for that um we still had our ebay store and our web store open so we would come in and still do um our our online ordering and that's been that's been really good for us um not you know it's i would say really good compared to our normal online sales um compared to, you know, kind of the numbers that we would normally run with the stores being open. It wasn't close, but, you know, it was, it's better than nothing. That's what I told Nick. I go, it's better than nothing. Um, so, you know, we kind of did that. And, you know, while we're sitting around for that first week and I ran out of things to watch uh, on on Netflix, as Nick and I kind of got together and said, hey, let's let's do the, the story model while we have this downtime. So we did that. Mm-hmm. We still did um, um, our online sales. Uh, sold a lot of lot of trucks to everyone, you know, whoever they were, all the way on the East Coast to to here in Arizona. People were buying stuff, and you know, the the entry level market or that the what we call you know we call basher market. I call it entry level just to be nicer. Mm. Yeah, it's supposed crazy. to be entry level. Yeah. 
yeah, we, we sold a lot of, lot of cars, a lot of ready to run cars, um, a lot of models, um, paints, you know, people are still chomping to, to have fun and, you know, at home while they're locked up with their kids. So, you know, it's, it was crazy. Like the, the month uh, of April, or sorry, the month of March at last uh, three weeks before we were, were asked to, to shelter in place. The, the numbers were kind of crazy. You know, people kind of knew they were going to be stuck at home for a little bit. So they were coming in and buying cars and batteries and fixing old cars that they had broken in the, in the garage. Um, but, you know, being closed for essentially, we hadn't raced in almost two months, I think it was. Um, and, you know, the store being closed for, the, both stores being closed for essentially a month. Financially, those were, were a little bit tough. Um, but you know, we were, were able to kind of weather through that. We have a little bit of, had a little bit of rainy day funds and unfortunately we kind of burned through the rainy day funds, which you don't want to do, but that's what they're there for. Um, you know, and we're able to kind of slowly open, um, the state of Arizona let us slowly open with curbside, uh, at the beginning of May. Um, so that lasted about a week. So we set up where you could walk up. Uh, and tell us what parts you needed, or you'd send us an email. You know, these are the parts I want. We'd have them ready. Walk in, do a, a as a touchless transaction as we could, um, and uh, sent them on their way. So that that kind of went for a little bit, and then um, last two weeks, I think two weeks ago, I think it was the eleventh. Uh, they allowed us to open our doors as long as we had. Um, safety protocol so we had we have to disinfect and you know disinfect high touch areas and make sure that we clean and stuff like that and we've been doing that so we've been open for the past couple of weeks and the, you know it's been pretty good people were people are ready to go people are chomping at the bit to go and you know our racers were at backyard tracks we had a couple of guys build tracks in their backyard and you know they're asking for double d's and red tires and i'm like yeah <laughs> and so is everyone else <laughs> yeah yeah good luck finding those um, <laughs> but yeah it, it was it was funny you're like oh yeah we, we i need outdoor tires and i start laughing i'm like yeah where are you gonna find outdoor tires now um but um you know it, it was good the guys kind of kind of scratch their itch with their backyard tracks and their home tracks um we had some guys buy you know tractors maxes and Master cars that can go fast and do crazy things. Um, so you know, I think we're 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 okay and recovering and back open to to the public. So it's going. We're, we've started practice again. So you know, practice this month we did starting. We started practice on the 18th. Um, so we're doing practice for two weeks before we open the track back up to get the track kind of back into somewhat of uh, uh, racing shape since it just, you know, essentially got water for two months and no cars on it. Um, while we're in here doing some construction, we, we broke out the rental slashes and tried to drive on it. And um, if you've ever been on ice skates and don't know how to ice skate, that's what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we've had two weeks on the track. The track's getting better. Um, guys are, are running. We have a, a bunch of new guys. It's, it was interesting. We we had probably about three new guys buy cars in full setups, like the week before we closed. 
And like that Friday, we were closing. Like we're coming to practice. I'm like, we're close. We have to close oh. um, for for you know this COVID thing. And they're like, what? I just spent all this money. I'm like, yeah, be you know, be patient. We'll be back. <laughs> um, Bummer. But yeah, it was funny. You know, these guys spent you know thirteen hundred dollars on a new setup and built it. Took them two months to build. So you know, and some of those guys are actually practicing right now. So. We've been here pretty much every day since we've opened. Running That's cars. amazing. That's amazing. So, yeah, and, you know, we, we sold a lot of cars. Like the the crazy thing is, we kind of you know didn't follow the rules totally because the twenty two X four came out the week that we were closed. Like I think we closed on Monday, and the car came Wednesday. So everyone was sending me a message, "Hey, can I get my my car?" So we sort of had fake drive up on that Wednesday and people picked up their cars so they could build Okay, uh, while they were locked up at home. So that was, you know, that's, I don't know, people, it's just a hobby and people like building cars and doing that stuff. So, you know, we had to kind of let them scratch their, their itch there. So when, um, so you, you said you do, you do some online sales. Is it mostly all uh, like eBay or do you, you, you do it some other way as well. Yeah. Uh, so we have our online store at hobbyaction.net. And then we also have an eBay store. Um, so they both show live inventory uh, as long as our inventory is right. Um, sometimes it isn't. And sometimes you know, it is what it is when you have two stores and I don't know, like 10,000 line items or whatever we have in the store. The inventory yeah, is insane. not always right, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know my problems. You you get it. Yeah. Uh, but um but you can buy like one of the tricks if you go to our our web store, um sometimes you don't have to pay shipping depending on how much you do it, but if you go to eBay, you have to pay shipping. Yeah. Um so that's kind of a, a inside there. Go to our web store rather than buying it on eBay. Um because sometimes you don't have to pay shipping, which you know when you're sending a X Max or like four slashes somewhere, you know, becomes a pretty uh, a pretty good deal. <clears throat> yeah, I'm on your website right now. Really nice. Uh, free shipping yeah. for U.S. orders over fifty yeah. bucks. Yeah, we can look at the Gundam models right now and see see all those. We just got uh, a stock yeah. of uh, oh, I can't say how many pounds it was because we actually have a we actually have a contest um, where if you name how many models were in all the boxes and the weight? Uh, I think we're giving them a, a $20 gift certificate or something like that. Hmm. But it was a lot of models. It was a lot of money. Now, I, I know those uh, Gundam uh, models, they have a cult following, but what what is making them really fly off the shelves now? Is it something going on or what? I don't, I don't know. It's just these guys, we have we have a good core group of guys that just come in and, and buy and it doesn't hmm. really matter. Well, I've heard you know, about this and elsewhere too. Like that's why when you when you mentioned it, I was like, oh man, I yeah, I've heard about this. And yeah, you, I, you know, when I put models back when I was young, you had to paint them. You know, they came white or yeah. whatever right. color. Yeah, exactly. Ravel made them. You know, and you had to spend like three months painting the stupid thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> these things come all the plastic comes colored already. So if it's a blue, it's supposed to be blue. It comes blue. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be red. It comes red, in all in the same mm-hmm. model, and they're all uh, snapped together. And they 
articulate in some in uh, you know in some fashion. So you can pose them and you know do whatever. And there's different grades and different details. Yeah, like some of the models are are twenty bucks. Some of the models, the nicer models, which we call perfect grade models, are like three hundred bucks. Mm. Jeez. So, you know, and those guys, those guys love it. They they you know will paint them and do all kinds of stuff with them. We have build nights at our Tempe store, so you know we'll throw out some tables, and the guys will just kind of come in and and uh, and build models for a couple hours. We'll hold some new stuff back for them, so they're the first to see it or the, have yeah. the first opportunity to buy it. So, you know, some of the cool stuff like that. I don't know what we're going to do now with COVID, but, you know, we'll figure it out. And for listeners that don't know, they look like Transformers. They, so, yeah, they, yeah, they do. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now. $280. <laughs> so anywhere from basically yep. six or seven, anywhere from six or seven dollars all the way to $280. Yeah, there's even, there's some that are even more expensive than that, but yeah. It's, it Very is cool. Awesome. I mean, to me, like, yeah, it's. I like all this kind of stuff. I mean, I could get into it. Yeah, you know, I grew up. I grew up as a hobbyist, so you know, when I was a kid, anything that I got to put together was a bonus. Like if I yeah. could put a airplane model together or a car model together, you know, I tried. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the glue back then was way better. Yeah, you know, before it's, before before they stopped all the the bad stuff in the glue. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the people were, uh, yeah. sniffing them. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know, testers, testers had like two, they had the unscented glue that didn't hold anything together. And then they had the, the full, the full, um, use orange label glue that would melt stuff. Yeah. That was the good stuff. Yeah, we used to, my uncle had a hardware store, but he had other like a section with models and stuff that you can purchase and build and there was you know, we had the testers modeling glue. But we had this yep. one guy that would come in, and he's like, I need like ten of those. And, and we, we knew exactly he's the town druggie, so we knew what he was doing. But yeah. He was, yeah. He was building a lot of models. Yeah, he he's like, I need ten of those and, and, and a paper bag. And he would just squeeze them in a paper bag and you know, go from there. Anyway, there's my story. And don't try any of this at home. <laughs> yeah, don't try it at home, folks. Yeah, don't try. That, yeah. That's why the glue doesn't work now. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, right? <laughs> thanks a lot, guy. That's why the glue doesn't work. <laughs> oh, man. So I remember um, many years ago, uh, you know, Mayfield was telling me that when he would go into your, you know, the other store, this is probably before you had the the track was how huge all the drone stuff was and like it yeah. went through like a, I went through like a big uh climb and just people going nuts in that like what's going on with that that side of things and what what kind of what was the um the path kind of going in and out of that whole genre i guess yeah it, it you know Four years ago, before we opened the store, multi-rotor stuff or drone stuff was crazy. It's like, you know, we were probably one of the only stores in the Valley that, that carried any of the, the nice stuff, you know, where you could do video and and carry, you know, big full-size cameras. Um, and it was, it was good for us. It, we sold a lot of stuff. Um, you know, when we decided to do it, I, kind of the biggest manufacturer 
in the video stuff is uh, DJI. And when we decided to carry them, you know, one of the, the options that we talked about, you know, as a business person, you, you always talk about margins. Uh, yeah. The margins on that stuff were terrible and they're still terrible. But mm-hmm. we decided, okay, we could do not do it or just do a boat, try to do a boatload of it. Um, yeah. So we, we started and we did a boatload of it. And, you know, it was crazy back, back then, you know, they only sold to hobby shops. So, you know, you couldn't go to Costco or Sam's club and buy one or, you know, Best Buy to buy one. So if you wanted something like that, you had to go to the hobby shop to purchase it. And it was, it was great. You know, we sold a lot. I flew them. I had a, a couple and, you know, we, we were, we're doing stuff for, for some of the, the, the filmmaking companies here in Arizona that were, were doing some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. We were building, you know, huge multi-rotor um, helicopters that were, you know, were able to carry, you know, 26 pounds of camera equipment, which was pretty cool. And, you know, watching some of the stuff, like when they were doing, they're telling us what they're doing and then you'd see it, you know, either in a movie or on a commercial of what happened. It was kind of cool to, cool, cool to see. Um, you know, so it's kind of started off with the video stuff and the TJI stuff. Then it kind of morphed into to the racing um, 3D kind of drones. Um, kind of mm-hmm. what uh, they showed on ESPN for a little bit there. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then it kind of, everyone's had it. Um, you could go online and, and buy, you know, a motor for seven bucks where, you know, people were like, I can go online and buy this for $7 where we had, you know, a nicer quality motor that was $30. But, you know, I can buy, they would say, I can buy four of these to year one. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of more, it, it was a really high high. And for us right now, it's kind of a really low low. We, we have very little stuff. We have some flight controllers in the store now, um, but uh, not anywhere to where we were at, uh, say, four years ago. But, you know, it was a good ride. You know, you try to ride those waves, kind of like yeah. the fidget spinners. You're, you ride that wave until it's not there anymore, <laughs> and then you move on to the next thing. Um, it's not to say that multi-rotors and, and people flying, flying drones now aren't out there. It's just for us, we've kind of kind of decided to, to move on from that market and, and do something else. But it what was the... I still have I still have one at the house. Yeah, I I was interested in that. So let's talk about the fidget spinners. Well, what was the what was the up and down on those things? I mean, that was a huge deal, right? That was that was like um, who was it? Uh, it? I guess it would be like Millie Vanilli. It would be very fast and in and out, and you're done. They're like famous for like uh, like a month, and then you're done. So, um, but yeah, we we kind of rode that that um that way for a little bit and you know it went away spinners spun this little how, thing how on long, ball bearings how, and how long did how that long last did exactly yeah, or how long did it last for us for us it probably lasted maybe i don't know a couple months yeah okay so but you got a couple months out i don't of know it. a couple months a couple months are good when you're selling you know like $3 fidget spinners for $10 or whatever it was. So it was good. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, or even less than that. But yeah, it's, you know, it's just like anything, anything in retail, you kind of look for what's hot and go from there. And you always have your, your staples. Like for us, our staples are RC cars. Yeah. You know, we, we keep those always in the stock and RC airplanes. And we try to find out what's, what's cool and what's next, you know, just like yo-yos and pogs and all that stuff that you, <laughs> as a kid, a kid, we did. Did yeah, you guys it's, do pods when you guys were young? I didn't. I didn't do yo-yos or pods. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember when the remember when the Team Losi yo-yos came out. I I wasn't into yo-yos, but I remember Team Losi having yo-yos. Yeah, I remember when yeah. it came out. <clears throat> I had to sell those things at Trinity. You did? Yeah, Ernie got a whole a whole bunch of them in. And we had to try and push them, and man, that was like impossible. You just hope you're on the front end of that wave instead of the back end of the wave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to be on right? the front side. Yeah. 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 When that's on the front side, it's like, man, these things are easy to sell. Let's get 10,000 more. Well, we were. We and got them in right the away. Side, <laughs> and then when you're on the back side, you're like, we got 10,000 to just sell. What are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, I had to call a hobby shop up and say, hey, we got these yo yo's in. Uh, from Losi, you know, double ball bearings and uh, how many do you want? <laughs> and they were just like, uh, I'll pass. Thank you. You're just yeah. like, but they're hot. Yeah. Pogs. Pogs are the same way. I think I was in, like when Pogs hit, I was still in like, school, like elementary school or junior high or something like that. And I had like a black market Pog uh, thing in my locker where you know, you had the metal ones because someone would drive me up here to Phoenix and I would go to the distributor, I'd go to the shop and just like buy all their cool stuff and then take it home to, cause I grew up in a small town. No one ever left, opened up my, my <laughs> locker and I'd have a uh, pog to sell. So I <laughs> You're a pog my, dealer. I could support, yes. I could support my RC car habit. <laughs> That's funny. I'm looking at them online right now. <laughs> Uh, they still pop up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had to type in toy, though. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you got to be careful how you spell that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that lasted for a while. That, that was more than a couple months, though. What? Maybe those things are going to come back. Maybe. They were pretty easy. They were pretty simple to... Cardboard disc. I don't even know what the game cardboard is. Like <laughs> You're like, I can make them myself now. Yeah, I was like, what is this game? And sure, you guys want to buy some? Sure, I'll try to find something. I'll trade you some Gundams for your Pogs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? That's but but that is that business. People think they're if they're in a hobby shop or whatever that they they get into it because they like racing or they like and I always say that like, you know, if you are in this and you're only doing it to basically serve your own uh needs, then you're base you're you're already getting in behind the eight ball. And and this is the kind of stuff that you have to be active in is you know like you said your constant is these things that have been around a while and 
you know, you know, the RC cars, you know, this and that, but then, like you said, you got to get into these other things that, that can, that you can turn some numbers with. Yeah. It, it's, I guess it's, it's kind of full circle because, you know, essentially the hobby shop now supports my um, RC car habit. Right. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's bad. It's bad owning a, a hobby shop now because it's like, oh, hey, look at that. Yeah. Sure. I need a tank. I need it to be a tank with every option or and a, a semi. semi. <laughs> yes. You know, sure. Sure. Stick it one. Can you make me a wrap for the semi case to make it look like a hobby action delivery truck? They're like, no problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. It. It's just kind of full circle. Back, back, uh, back in the day, I was selling pogs to support my RC car habit. Now I sell RC cars to support my RC car habit. <laughs> now you sell fidget spinners to, <laughs> to support the RC car habit. Yeah. Oh, man. So uh, we, we do have some questions here for you, but let's see. Before that, what I was going to do is ask you a little bit about, you know, kind of moving forward in 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 the hobby business here is there anything you're seeing uh i guess first of all what's what's the hot thing going on on the car side right now of you know in the business in the industry you see any any constants what's what's hot yeah you know i, I think on the racing on the off-road racing side you know anytime a new car comes out it's it's always the the best new slice of bread so yeah you know, the, the tlr uh, 22x4 has been pretty good seller for us, and you know all those parts have been pretty good sellers. Um, but you know that's kind of that's kind of the same with any new car. So you know, Associated came out with a new car. Obviously, you know, it's, they're they're going to buy that new car. Um, yeah, I think kind of a, a huge thing happening right now that's that's kind of I don't know. I think you guys talked about it in one of your your podcasts. Is kind of like the the web tracks you did with the slash is kind of this drag racing thing. You know, yeah. you have this no prep drag racing thing that's happening that's, that guys are just building cars and having fun and just going out and to some street in the industrial park. You know, they have 10 or 20 guys show up and pretty easy to run. They measure out, you know, a, a straight line distance and they race each other. Um mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's been pretty big for us. James, uh, my manager here at the Chandler store, has kind of built uh, a car and has been pretty fast with it. You know, what we call a street outlaw or street eliminator, which is um, a short course based truck with essentially a, a drag race type body on it. And I think, you know, a lot of the guys like it because it looks like a car that they might have or might have wanted or... You know, either race, we have a lot of guys that actually drag race that are doing this, and they built cars that look just like their real car. Um, so I think that's that's kind of something that's, that's cool and hot that people are into, because they can make their RC car look like their real car, you know, and they can associate it with something. Um, you know, someone new to the, the hobby, when they look at a buggy or look at a stadium truck, they look at it and they go, this doesn't even look like anything real. And when, you know, I, I related back to Traxxas days when Traxxas came out with the Slash, they made it look like a trophy truck. So if you watched racing on TV, 
you saw a trophy truck and this looked like, you know, the closest thing possible to it. Yeah. And that's kind of happening now with that drag racing, you know, with associated coming with a coming out with a DR 10, you know, kind of a, kind of a, a drag race car, um, you know, out of the box where, you know, it's ready to run and ready to go. Not the fastest thing in the world, but you know, it's, it's there and you don't have to build something like now, you know, when we started this, Probably about a year ago, um, we built um, slash trucks with banded arms to make them narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jason had a couple bodies and ProLine has a couple bodies out that just worked and they looked like real cars. You know, we built them, put them on the shelf. People walked in and was like, what is that? That looks really cool. It's something they can relate to. They can go, oh, yeah, that's a Nova or, you know, that's a... Uh, a fox, uh, fox body Mustang. It's something that they can relate to in the real world. Um, and they go fast and straight. And what do yeah. people want to do that don't actually race off road or on road? They want to go fast and straight. So, you know, it's kind of giving them a, a option where they can race each other. You know, they can, you don't need anything fancy. Like, uh, the, the group of guys that race here by the, the shop, they essentially built this little light out of PVC pipe, a battery, and a switch. So they set that up. They measure 120, 23 feet or 125, whatever, 125 feet, and they go from there. They have one guy controlling the light, one guy standing at the end of the track, and they set up a bracket and race each other. And it's been been pretty popular. So we're selling a lot of cars, selling a lot of bodies, selling a lot of tires. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you know you have some of these specialized companies that that are building full on race chassis that you know if you wanted to go about it that way you can. You know I think our our, our thing right now is we're building. Um, James runs a a SC six with uh, or yeah SC six with with B six arms on it and uses Jason's uh, rear shock car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that car that car is crazy fast um and he's running you know stuff off the shelf he's running a 510 um and a 40 uh sonic motor and that thing is ridiculous like remember back in the day um running brushed touring car modified how oh, yeah. things used to scream down the back stretch that's mm-hmm. what that thing sounds like at the at the end of the strip it's just crazy fast and you know people are always like it's funny like when we're building them with the, the racers like oh you just go in a straight line how hard can it be then we let them drive our car and they're like oh it's not that easy yeah you're putting a lot of power trying to put a lot of power down you know and go in a straight line yeah it's not absolutely. always easy it's, no it isn't. it's not always predictable no it, it it's very difficult yeah so let me but it's, bump it's, into... It's been fun. I laugh every time I drive mine because, you know, it could go one pass, it could go straight as an arrow and fast as can be, do absolutely <laughs> nothing to the car, and you come back and say, all right, I got this, and then uh, you spin out and flip over and you go back to the drawing board. So we got uh, kind of getting into our question uh, mm-hmm. area here from from some some other guys chris trudeau is i was asking some good questions and he's asking 
what makes a model ideal track racer? Uh, there's he's got other Ooh. parts here, but you can, you, you can ask that one first. My my ideal track racer is some guy that our girl that is willing to help out other people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we hear it a lot. Like our facilities is pretty intimidating. You walk in and you see, you know, this this huge shop. You walk through the doors to get to the track, and you know, you see guys with their OGO bags and all this cool stuff. And as a beginner, you walk in and look at that, and you're like, "Holy crap!" What do I, I, what are these guys doing? Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think the the model racer is a guy that's willing to help those kids out or, you know, even the adults that are starting just helping them yeah. out and kind of, kind of walking them through, you know, what, you know, what this hobby is all about. Um, you know, when we have our, our more seasoned guys say, you know, tell me, Oh yeah, you, you need to stack races because these guys aren't as fast. And I always tell them, at one point you were there. So, yeah. you know, help those guys, help those guys get faster, show them the ropes, show them how to marshal, you know, show them what you, show them what you need to do, show them to be respectful, you know, just all those things that, that you would want um, to happen. You know, like for me, like, you know, be respectful on the driver's stand, you know, like things that I, that I try to do. Don't yell in the driver's stand. There's no need to yell. You know, I understand big race once in a while that will happen. Um, yeah. You know, but, but you know, club race, you're, you're racing for fun. You're racing against your friends. Um, you know, come out and have fun. You know, this is supposed to be a release from your, your everyday stresses of your, your job or whatever it is. And come out and have fun, help people out, make friends. Um, you know, I have a, a ton of friends from RC that we hang out, you know, go over to dinner after a race and, laugh a bunch and just, you know, just chill. And that's that, that would be my ideal racer. Some guy that is, is willing to help someone out, you know, and, and be the, the model RC car racer, which is not yelling, not blaming someone else for crashing, doing a great job marshalling. Yeah. I think, you know, you might've hinted at some of these. He was just asking if you have any pet peeves <laughs> about being, a, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you have that, quite a few. <clears throat> Yeah, the opposite of what I just said. So, yeah, yeah I guess the biggest pet peeve, you know, is it, our track, our dirt is a little bit unique. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's it takes some time to, to get fast. And, you know, at our big events, the track is usually pretty, pretty high grip, pretty fast. Um, you know, the way the guys are, the fast guys are pretty much driving on edge for for the entire time they're on the track um, and trying to replicate that during, you know, or replicate that traction level at a um, club race level, never going to happen. We don't have enough guys. We, you know, we're, we're running thousands of laps on a race weekend where, you know, on a, a club race weekend, we're running hundreds of laps. Um, so that's yeah. probably my biggest pet peeve of when guys are telling me, Hey, how come the traction level is not up or what you guys do watering you know, I we we're not here to take traction away. We're not trying to to make the track slower. It's just the 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 nature of the beast when you have yep. dirt inside a building that requires water that is hot, cold. You know, that's in the environment. It's it's not controlled, or not as it's controlled as it can be. I guess. 
And then he's also asking, um, do you have any kind of specific marketing you do to try to draw any new racers? Yeah, um, we do a lot with our um, community where we're, you know, we, we do a lot of advertisement with our local Little League. Um, we do some stuff with our schools. Um, we have a couple of schools in the, the area that do their STEM programs, and and we essentially, you know, give them, sell them the stuff at cost. So if it's radios, controllers, motors, or whatever, you know, all the, the rockets, anything like that, you know, we're, we're selling it to the schools at, at cost and, and hoping, you know, they have uh, a good time with it. Um, you know, race program-wise, you know, before uh, the COVID stuff happened, you know, we would have a full heat of novice guys. So we'd have 10 novice guys running or more, um, which is cool. And it's just, you know, facilitating those guys into the next level of, you know, jumping out of novice, either getting going to our, our 215 spec class or a short course class or, or, or truck classes. And, you know, it's not just the guys in the hobby shop, but it's the guys out on the track, making those guys feel welcome. Um, you know, in nurturing them along, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when we have roles, it's, you know, self-policing is, is what I use all the time. You guys kind of have to self-police each other and, and promote the hobby. And, you know, it's just, it's not just someone coming here and running the car. It's promoting the hobby um, and promoting the products that we have. It's, it's everyone's in on it. So, you know, if we didn't have a cool place to race or, you know, product to buy or whatever, you know, what would you be doing? You know, it's, so it's making friends and coming out here and having fun. Kind of got off track there. No, I think it's, that's good. I'm going to kind of trim up this question a little bit, but basically what the guy is asking is, um, and, and this could be a whole show to itself, but, um, he just wants to know what you think about sponsored drivers. <laughs> um, and, and obviously, like I said, it could be a whole show to itself. Um, I, he's in, you know, kind of referencing the amount of sponsored drivers and then, all, you know, every, you know, kind of everything in between, but I think you could probably hit, hit on it. Um, you know, I'm sure you got a, a good standpoint. Yeah. I, I think, you know, there's, a need for sponsored drivers. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there is a need for um, the amount of sponsored drivers that we have out there, but, you know, you always need guys that are going to be fast and promote the hobby and promote the product that they're, they're, you know, paid to, to promote, you know, and that's, you know, I, I don't have a problem with, uh, sponsored drivers as long as they're promoting the hobby and promoting the product that they're running. Um, you know, that's being a good ambassador to, to everything, being a good, good ambassador to the product, to how they, to themselves, to, you know, representing the, the companies, their families, themselves. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I think it's, it's necessary. Um, you know, it does it. The amount of of you know, back when I raced a lot, you know, we had a handful of sponsored guys. You know, mm -hmm. and those were usually 
the the best drivers at the track. You know, the the good drivers at the track or the great drivers at the track weren't sponsored. They were great drivers, but they didn't have what, you know, we have now. Um, you know, only the cream of the crop actually had a sponsorship. Um, I think that cream of the crop is still necessary. You know, the, the factory guys and the guys that are getting paid to travel, those guys are necessary. Um, but that's my, you know, my own opinion. You yeah. Know, uh, the, the companies that are sponsoring people, the, you know, that's their, that's their business model. And, and, you know, I'm okay with it. You know, we, we do fine with, with, um, what we have and the guys that, that spend money with us. And we have sponsored guys that's still spending money with us. So it's good. Um, yeah. You know, the one, the one thing that I, I would like to see, uh, from some of these manufacturers and some of them do contact us about sponsoring, you know, who they sponsor at their local track. It'd be nice to, to have a, a call or a discussion. Hey, I'm looking to sponsor X guy. What do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, because they looking at a resume, these guys, you know, people submit resumes to whatever, and you probably see a Jason, probably get a, you know, every Joe Schmo I won, you know, my backyard race or whatever. You don't know who that guy is, unless yeah. they're they're you know traveling or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But you want represent you want kind of representation throughout the nation. You know, it would be it would be nice if some of these companies called and said, "Hey, this guy says he races at your track. You know, is he a good ambassador to RC?" You could be a fast guy, but you might not be a good ambassador to RC. So I guess that's my take on it. And and you know we 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 kind of help a couple guys out um, um, with their race programs, and you know it's all right. It's it, you know everyone was a, a beginner at one point, and everyone wants to be sponsored at some point, or sponsored by something, or you know have that feather in the hat. You know it's cool. It's I don't know. You have to have something to strive for, right? Like when I raced a lot uh, as a young kid, I always wanted to be sponsored. I was never good yeah. enough to be sponsored, but I always wanted to be sponsored. It was yeah. hard back yeah. then to get sponsored. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Today, not so much. You know, now I'm sponsored by myself, so I can drive whatever <laughs> I want. <laughs> if I wanted to drive a Mosi today, I could. If I wanted to drive the Associated, I could. And you and you have, right? <laughs> I, I have. I I actually even have a, a tractor trick that I probably won't be able to race. Kind of sad. A little mm. bit of a tear in my eye. Mm. I was ready for that class. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough, the, the sponsorship thing's a, a tough one. Um, it is. The manufacturers are going to do what they're going to do in the hobby shops, you know, sometimes unfortunately, are kind of in a, uh, pickle cause you know, they may be usually the fast guy was spending money at their local hobby shop, but now that they're sponsored, they're going to be, you know, buying or getting their product direct or getting it for free or, you know, at a discount or whatever. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those uh, double-edged swords, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what's a good solution. You know, I, I don't think, uh, Going back to the days when we raced, where you know you had a handful of guys being sponsored and everyone else was a privateer, I don't think that <clears throat> that genie goes back in that bottle. Yeah, you know, and what I've talked about with Gotti here several times is 
you know, in the nineties and in our, that kind of day, there wasn't, there also wasn't as many manufacturers. Right. Um, so it wasn't the part of the thing now is there's a much, many, um, many more companies in the mix. So, uh, it, it definitely adds up and, um, yeah, it's a thing that obviously, like I said, we could do a whole show on this, and it still wouldn't be done, and still wouldn't have it figured out. But, but yeah, that that's <laughs> the 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 basis of where his question was kind of going. So, in a sense, uh, and I guess while I'm looking here, do you have any ideas and or looking into that crystal ball of? You know what what you would think could be the next the next biggest thing the next hottest thing i mean we haven't really had that in in rc racing you know since the the short course uh do you, do you see anything or have any predictions of what it could be i don't know i i you know the the drag race thing is kind of going already you know, Associated came out with their car. I don't know if, you know, if Losi has anything kind of in the pipeline, but, you know, I think there could be some cool stuff with some of these manufacturers where they just, they have the parts. You just repackage the parts and make it a, you know, a, a kit version, a factory team kit mm-hmm. version. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to single the company out. But you know, I will because that's what we're what we're doing here. We kind of, you know, we can get a RC a B six uh, a B six point one or point whatever number it is now point two, and a short course chassis. Those are all production made parts. You don't have to. The only thing you're making is a wheelie bar. Everything else is off the shelf. Yeah. You know, so it's just repackaging, repackaging packaging product that they have already you know mostly you could probably do the same thing with their cars is you just repackage some of the stuff you know with associated how the front ends and the rear ends work where the parts are pretty interchangeable you know you're just changing the length of the arm mm-hmm. you know it's it could be pretty easy and kind of pretty trick i don't know we 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 bought a bunch of we bought a bunch of parts uh we bought a um the, the buggy kit and some parts to do a conversion that will probably market here in the shop where, Hey, you could buy, you know, this kit with these extra parts and have a pretty cool and competitive drag car, you know, and you don't have mm-hmm. to go out and piece a bunch of parts and make homemade parts or 3d pit parts. It's all off the, off the wall parts. You know, and you know, like you, you made the shock tower. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the shock tower that you put it. You run, you know, buggy buggy shocks all the way around, and you know, it's just a, a repackaging of of things. I, you know, if you look at the industry, kind of tracks is they use parts for the same parts for a majority of their cars, like the transmission. The transmission case is the same transmission case for all their two wheel lines. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. how much does it cost to make that mold? When you're making, you know, selling twenty thousand of each kit, that mold doesn't 
isn't that expensive anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing about their product line is, um, you know, just the, the consistency of it for everybody. Right. You know, other, you know, other than that, man, RC, I, I don't know. I loved racing short course. I want short course to come back. That's why we always have it. That's why we always push it. We always have some kind we, of class. We had a great run with that. I mean, we had an amazing run with it. And mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's still going, it's still a great entry level point, entry level piece. Um, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we still have guys running here. I, I think we're like kind of looking at numbers across the nation. We still have a pretty good class of short course, short course trucks and drivers, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, and, and we, we have our 21 five lock timing class. That's, that's been pretty cool. Um, you know, it's pretty intimidating for a guy to come in here and, you know, watching Ezra run there, which is our local fast guy in 17.5. He's pretty fast, and you you throw your 17.5 car out there as a newbie, and you know you feel like you're in the way. So, you know, having those having a couple steps in in racing, I think are are good. Where we don't discourage some of the guys that are, you know, starting off. You know, because you go from novice, which could be a ready to run truck our car and then you build yourself a race car run 17.5 and you could be three laps off, four laps off the pace from the fast guys, you know, kind of discouraging sometimes. So I don't know, slowing the cars down, slowing, I don't know, making a, making a, a spec class that is, is um, kind of followed across the nation. Maybe something, you know, we, we follow our 21.5 class. Um, we kind of follow the rules that Jason has for the, the independent or uh, what he calls independent 2105. Um, we do a lot right. of different motor manufacturers, but you know, it's, it's a good kind of stepping point for guys that are starting. Um, you know, it's, I, I don't know if I'd be probably intimidated if I came into a hobby shop and say, Hey, I want to do this, built myself a 17, five car with, you know, the, the, the best stuff and not have the ability to drive like some of the fast guys. It's it you know, it, it, you know, you come in and spend, you know, a thousand bucks, 1200 bucks, 1300 bucks and go, okay, I'm in the way. So, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. I, I think we got a pretty, pretty good program going here and kind of keep it going. Um, car wise, I don't know vintage. Everyone needs to everyone needs to re-release old vintage cars, like uh, like Associated did, and how Tamiya does it. So Lofi needs yeah. to come out with a re-release uh, JRX two or something. MIP needs to make their their four ten legend kit again, so I can now that I can afford it, I can buy it. Yeah, well, it's now it's, it's unaffordable <laughs> now. When you find one on eBay, it's unaffordable, right? Oh yeah, it was like. A, a thousand dollars for a kid. I was like, "Yep, not I. I can't afford it yet again. I couldn't afford it as a kid and can't afford it yeah. as an adult." That's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Vintage vintage seems to be pretty cool. Uh, and re-releasing, like to me, I re-released all their a bunch of their old kits. And we have guys, you know, that were in the hobby and they walk in and they see like the re-release frog or the grasshopper or um, I think our newest kit that we got in is the. The Subaru, the Subaru yeah. Brat, 
Mm-hmm. And people come in and say, hey, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And to me, it did the, the same thing. Time, the second and third time's the charm, right? Yep. And, and then, know, having uh, those kids, I don't know. A, a quickie question from uh, your buddy James here is, what are you going to do with the new 1-8 scale, Brian Mayfield? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's sitting in the case right now. Um, I had Ryan uh, build a Mugen um, MBX-8 Eagle, I think it is. That is the number. Um, their newest A-scale electric buggy. Um with with everything that happened and us being closed, a lot of the ten scale guys that raced here bought eight scales and went out to Tony Schumacher's place, his his private track on his property, and ran eight scale e buggy. Um, so while that was happening, I you know had some text messages and hey, can we rent e buggy once we get back up and going? Um, my thing with e buggy. Is they're pretty big, pretty fast. Um, you know, not, not everyone is driving skills, Ryan Mayfield or Spencer. Uh, so when you have that much power and that much weight, it gets kind of hairy sometimes. And how many people we have walk in just to watch racing? They get, you know, it, the worst thing that could happen is one of those things fly off the track and hit some kid or hit some mom or dad. Um, so I don't know. It might be a test vehicle. Um, my skill level has diminished in my old age. So I could be a bad driver with a, too much power. Mm-hmm. So that's my what happened with that that buggy is uh, some test sessions out on the track with a unskilled driver and too much power and see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully I don't drive it through the glass windows at the end of the straightaway. And I don't know. I might make it to one of the, the big ECR races like uh, Silver States or something like that. Mm. That'd be so cool to have you over there. Um, <laughs> there's, we'll there's gambling yeah and rc cars what else can you ask for oh must be a uh, gambling you said gambling, gambling. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's in vegas oh you must be a michael jordan fan <laughs> <laughs> no i still have all my fingertips <laughs> jason's gonna get mad right now no i I'm love fine. it okay he's good yeah <laughs> well, he, uh, he he cut the tip of his finger with a cigar cutter, right? Right. He <laughs> did by accident. <laughs> I actually know the the real story behind that. Oh, do you? Yeah. Uh, spill the beans. Anyway, I worked with somebody at Trinity that said that he was caught cheating. And his wife attacked him. Ooh. Jason, care to comment? That's a better story than what I thought, so. Yeah, what, what uh, Larry was alluding to uh, was there was, uh, well, we're, 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 we're here with Gotti. He's the Mr. Conspiracy. <laughs> He's got, I, I, can't say, I can't say that it was the mob. Because there's no such thing as the mob. No, that's made up by the feds. The mob. Okay. Because that's what what the direction Larry was going is he was going to say that he got in trouble with the mob. That's what you're assuming. Okay. (laughs) Allegedly. I better say allegedly so I don't get sued by Jordan. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly, I I have no idea who his 
fits me it's in too so we'll edit this part out for you jason don't worry (laughs) (laughs) it's fine i got my own deal (laughs) yeah the wrong one oh anyway that's a good story though i have to use that one i can see that happening and yeah, you know, Tiger got the golf club through his window. And, and this Jordan. person had an inside source to Michael Jordan. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. The question, yeah. <laughs> go go on, RC, so I can edit this out. Yeah. No, that's fine. You can, you can put it in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> as we uh, kind of ease into the end here, uh, Larry... Give us a, a, a shout out on, uh, first of all, let's hear the location of the two stores, how you can buy, whether in person or online, and um, and then go into some people you want to thank. Yeah. Uh, so we have two locations, one in Tempe, Arizona at 705 East Guadalupe Road. That is our standalone hobby shop. Um, you know, we have RC cars planes, boats, model rockets, models, all of that shop. Um, and then we have our racetrack location um, here in Chandler at 855 uh, North 54th Street in Chandler. And we have our racetrack. Uh, the track is open uh, seven days a week. We do racing on Wednesday nights and Saturdays. Um, practice all the other times um, that were open, $15 to practice which is a, a steal here in Arizona because it's like 111 outside right now. You get free AC for 15 bucks and you can sit in here all day. Um, racing is $20 a class, $15 uh, for each additional class. Um, like I said, we race on Wednesday nights at seven Saturdays, starting at one that includes practice. So on Wednesday, if you wanted to come in here at 10 o'clock, you pay for the racing. You could sit here pretty much for like, 12 hours and with your RC car. Um, and then if you want to shop online, you know, we're, we go to hobbyaction.net um, and go to uh, that page and I'll have our live um, inventory. Um, and we also have an eBay store um, that's linked to our um, webpage. So that has live inventory also. Um, if you don't see it, Send us an email. You can send it to me at Larry at hobbyaction.com or sales at hobbyaction.com. Um, both stores are now officially all the way back open uh, to normal business hours. So uh, Monday through Friday, 10 to 7, and then Saturday and Sunday, uh, 10 to 5. The racetrack hours do vary a little bit because we stay the track, the store stays open until we're done racing. So if you break something, you can still get parts. Um, shout out wise, you know, all the guys that, that help, uh, with uh, the store, James, uh, Nick, Brian at our Tempe store, um, at our Tempe store, we have Brian, who's the manager, uh, Nick floats in and out. I float in and out over at the Tempe store. We have, uh, Chris Craig, uh, Matt Warner and, um, Tyler Jones over there. They all kind of have their specialties, you know, whether it be tractor trucks or airplanes, and then over here, we have James, um, uh, Jason Campus, who's our new guy. Uh, Chicago Mike, he's the, he's the old Asian guy that's in here. Everyone that comes in here that doesn't know him thinks he's my dad or my uncle. And they'll ask, hey, so your dad over there, just because he's Asian doesn't mean we're related. 
um, and uh, Ethan, Riley, uh, Brett, those guys all, you know, bust their butts when they're here working. Um, and all the guys that, that come and support us and race, you know, we'll get through this. this past two months have been crazy, but uh, we're going to get back up. And I was using the hashtag, we will race again. And we are going to race again starting next uh, Wednesday. Um, uh, CJ, CJ um, was our Wednesday uh, race director. He's actually going to be tied up a little bit. So he's uh, has relieved himself of his duties as our, as our Wednesday race director. But we have a couple of backups. Um, and if you want to race direct, let me know on a Wednesday night. So oh. we pay pretty well for, for race directing. If you want to race direct, do you, then, uh, uh, do you pay re- relocation fees? Um, no, that is not part of the, the fee. That's uh. not part of the pay structure. Oh, I'm out. And then Richard, Richard Lake, who's our, our main, main guy on the weekends does a bang up job. He, he's always there for me. So anytime I ask him to do something, he's, he's uh, there. And then our track crew, you know, Scott, um, and those guys help us build build awesome tracks. Jerry running the running our skid stairs and and before I forget our our guys that help us out the most on rebuilding tracks, P1 paving, they donate the equipment every single time we ask. Um, so that's a huge cost. If you guys, you know, all the track owners know how much how much it costs to to rent skid stairs for the weekend. They uh, let us use a couple every weekend. So. Uh, Bobby Slauson and Matt Tormey, those guys are awesome. They they help us out every time. We ask. Um, and you know, it's it's awesome. Like the the stuff that we do, the amount of help that we get, the volunteers that we get, we can't do it without them. Um, you know, it's a lot of work and it's crazy sometimes, but stressful sometimes. But you know, when we have an event and everyone's happy, and I might get yelled at a couple times by some guys, but you know, it's fun. Yeah, I know most of those guys that yell at me. <laughs> yeah, me <I> too. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's fun as long as the event as long as the event goes goes well. We entertain people and we promote this hobby and promote uh, the fine products that we sell. It's a win, you know. Sometimes people leave mad because they didn't win, but it well, is what it is. They'll be back next time, and hopefully, they'll win that time. Absolutely. You try again. Try again. Hit reset button. Bef- before go you go, any sports predictions um, for the rest of this year? Is anything going to get started, or are we going to finish the NBA oh. season? What what kind of predictions you got there? Well, um, I'm tired of watching, so I'm an avid sports fan here in Arizona. So I have, I am tired of watching the only Super Bowl the Arizona Cardinals have ever been into, and that lost to. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they lost with like two minutes left <sighs> in the game. Um, it was on the other day on the NFL Network, and Larry Fitzgerald scores with like two minutes and 47 seconds left. Yep. And every time I've watched that replay, I turn it off at that point because they won. Right. <laughs> um, but they end up losing because bad refereeing. But another story. Absolutely. Um, but football, I've watched replays of that. I've watched replays of the Phoenix Suns. I've watched replays of the Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series against uh, the Yankees. So I'm tired of watching replays and I'm ready for real sports. <laughs> um, hopefully we get to end college sports. I love college sports. I'm a huge fan of University of Arizona. Went down to school, went to school there and, um, and love watching them play sports. 
So my favorite college football, college basketball, probably NFL football after that. So the Cardinals, um, hopefully we get to go watch a game in real lifetime this year. I don't have too high hopes, but hopefully we get to see something. Cardinals are supposed to be good this year. I don't know. Oh, this is the year? This is this is supposed to be their, their year. I don't know, but I don't know. That's, that's the talk. <laughs> hopefully they're good. Yeah. And hopefully I get to watch them in real life. Yeah, that would be okay. nice. And baseball. I don't know. We're supposed to be playing baseball right now. Do you, do you remember watching, when I'm the tired of watching cornhole? <laughs> do you remember the when the Bulls beat the Suns in the '93 Finals? <laughs> um, maybe I do remember Danny Ainge uh, coming off from guarding uh, um, Paxton when they're up. The Suns were up by two. I think Cartwright had got the ball down low and Ainge went to double team. Why? If they score two, they go into overtime, but he went to double team drop down. He kicks it out to to John Paxson and Paxson drains, drains a three to put a dagger in my heart. That's right. Um, yes. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Not MJ Paxson. Well, Michael scored on the possession. Before. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what, what was, was he called? That, that was a good run by the Suns from the from the foul line. I'm sure, right? Free throws? <laughs> no, no, no. It was well, a, it yeah. was a layup. He got right to the basket for a layup. Yeah. Well, everybody was afraid well, to guard him pushed, and get called a foul. He probably pushed off on KJ. So yeah, probably to get open. Yeah. See, see. Just like he pushed off on on um, Brian who Russell, was the guy from uh, yeah, Brian Russell. Yeah. I mean. It's, and, but he did put a he put a did put a dagger at the heart of um, of the Cleveland Cavaliers too. And um, what's his name? He didn't push off. Craig, Craig Craig Elo. Yeah, that was yeah that was like if you ever watched like a heartbreaking moment, that's one of them. Like you know ABC Wild Water Sports when the guy flips off the ski jump, you know he, he nearly kills himself. Elo's reaction when when Jordan drains that is one of those man. This sucks. <clears throat> I saw they had an interview with Carl Malone the other day, and they asked him to talk about Jordan, and he's like, "What do you want to know?" He's like, <laughs> "He's like, oh, you know, what do you think?" He's like, "He's Michael Jordan. I'm Carl Malone. He's a bad mf'er. I'm a bad mf'er too." <laughs> <laughs> It was actually really funny. It was it was kind of funny. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, what do you think about that moment he stole the ball from?" He's like, "I don't want to talk about it." <laughs> yeah, it's, it was funny. You know, I mean, it's, at it's, the end of the day, at the end of the day, I mean, these guys just made an obscene amount of money. Uh, yeah, and um, it's entertainment. It really, is what it comes down to, and. Hopefully, a little enjoyment for uh, the people that watch, like Gotti watching all those wins for the Patriots. Oh, did you, did you know Gotti was a Patriots fan? That's probably not good for the Arizona. Yeah, good thing I didn't know that before the interview. Yeah, it would have been like, I, there's no way I'm going to go through all this live BS with you trying to get this to go live. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't actually even, didn't even try. I was just 
dragging you guys along. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Larry. Well, uh, thanks for everything. Thanks for the patience. Thanks for being on. This this is going to be good. And uh, we, we like to get, kind of mix it up. We go, you know, racers, new school, old school. Then we go, you know, track owners, hobby shop owners. We just kind of all over the place and uh, mix it up. So this has been great. All right, guys. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate and, uh, it. We'll see you soon. Okay, bye. What can you say? Larry Tom. There he is. He almost was our very first guest on our live feed. Almost. Mm-hmm. Almost. Just a uh, few uh, hiccups on his end, and we just couldn't get it straightened out. So, Just a little audio short. Yeah. Got the video fine. No audio. Yeah. So... That would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. We'll give it a shot, though, next time. See how this goes. We've been testing in the background here. Everything looks good. Yeah, I really I like your little setup that you got going with. Uh, you got your little Kobe bobblehead going here. It's really cool. <laughs> I got the Kobe bobblehead. I got Lysol over here. Not that they yeah. sponsored the show, but... Uh, but they could. They could. That was episode 212. 212. 212. <laughs> All right, guys, catch you in 213. Thanks so much. We'll see you later. Bye.